When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to the inaugural edition of No Fall Weddings from the Fans First Sports Network. My name is Matt Timonini, and I am joined, as I will be every Thursday for the entire college football season, by my friend and colleague for many years, even though we have only met IRL once, Jamie Urich. Jamie, on a scale of 1 to 4,627, how excited are you that college football is finally back and week zero doesn't count because that was mostly garbage football? Like, thank God. What have we been doing? <laughs> I mean, I've been watching baseball, but like, I need... Yeah. I need some more. I need more. College football is where it's at. For me, it is where my family drama comes from. And in all the best ways, that's a compliment to my SEC grad brother. I just, I'm so excited. And my Michigan roommate. Like, what would I, what have I been doing? My life has been so drama free. We're, we're going to get into all of our different allegiances here in a second. Uh, because we want to make, to make sure everyone knows where we're coming from, where our conflicts of interest might arise. But before we do that, what we're going to be doing on this show every week is we're going to go through the entire college football schedule in order to help you plan out how and when you are going to prioritize your football watching time on any given Saturday, because there's a lot of games on a lot of different networks. It's getting increasingly difficult to keep up with everything that happens on each weekend with games becoming streaming exclusives, all of the different proliferation of networks across cable. It is very hard to keep up with. But before we get into that, Jamie, I wanna just kind of break down how you and I individually 
watch games because I have a setup where I have three TVs in my living room. They are all on a different college football game and I flip back and forth with the remotes to like listen to things as they come up. You have a very different approach to watching games though, I believe. I do. So it's it's kind of dependent upon the time of day that the games are being played because I am uh, based out of Los Angeles. So some of those noon football games on the East Coast are 9 a.m. games for me. Even occasionally we'll get an 8 a.m. game. And so those are watched from my bed with a cup of coffee. But anything after 10 a.m., I tend to be at a friend's house at a watch party or out at the Ohio State Bar here in Los Angeles to kind of be surrounded by other Buckeye fans and mimic that environment. So you mentioned the fact that you are an Ohio State alum. I too am an Ohio State alum. Uh, That's actually not how we met. We met through very different social circles unrelated to sports, very unrelated to to college football and any other sports related stuff. But we do both work for Land Grant Holy Land. So we do cover Ohio State and talk about Ohio State and write about Ohio State all the time. But we also have quite a bit of experience living and watching college football in various places across the country. I currently live in Orlando, Florida. I've previously lived in Kansas. Uh, I also lived in Illinois and in Chicago, but you are originally from Chicago. You have deep uh, Notre Dame familial roots, I believe, as well. As you mentioned, you have a brother that went to an SEC school, went to Tennessee. You now live in Los Angeles. You have a roommate who went to Michigan, which has not been fun for you the last couple of years, I know. But when you look at the entire totality of your college football life how would you break it down in terms of beyond the ohio state allegiance that you have what the influences are over your college football fandom yeah i mean so it's interesting like i we do have deep familial uh notre dame roots which to me has fueled like a deep hatred Um, but also in that it, I think that like really in order to hate a program, you have to know about them. So I would say like most Buckeye grads kind of know about Michigan's team in any given point, we know what's happening with them because if you didn't hate them enough to care, like then you're just apathetic and there's no rivalry or any fun in that. Um, most of my friends in LA are either USC or UCLA grads. So I'm getting that rivalry kind of peppered in. And then also a lot of different opinions about UCLA and USC joining the big 10 next season. Um, and then, you know, just kind of an overarching, like I am friends with anyone who does not like Alabama. Oh, that's interesting because like I have a lot of respect. Like I have nothing against Alabama. Like I think. Oh, I mean, I have respect for them. Sure. As a program, like they're an extremely impressive program. So why is it just because they're that good that you don't like them? Yeah, I think like and, you know, Georgia kind of falls in that same boat, but like less so. See, I used to live in North Georgia, so like I hate them just because I was like inundated with with bulldog fans for seven years of my life. So uh, I hate them for much different purposes. So mine is like, you know, OSU fans, there is a little bit of a like who's going to kind of be at the top. And obviously in this in a season like this, Georgia tends to be the person in that conversation. But 
for many years. And while I was in college, like Alabama was the championship team to beat once the college football playoff became a thing. So when we're not looking at like which other Big Ten team are we going to play in a Rose Bowl sort of a scenario, like that was the thing. My brother being at Tennessee means that he this is a shared hatred. And when I first moved to L.A., I really wanted to go watch college football and only one person would go watch college football with me. And it was a dear friend who was an Auburn grad. So every Uh, Saturday we would alternate between the Ohio state bar and the Auburn bar. And the kind of like through line for both bars was like, you're welcome here because you also don't like Alabama. And so I think it's sort of just over time when all the people I love kind of share that common and we don't like Alabama in this house feeling they've sort of become like public enemy number two, because Notre Dame is always going to be public enemy number one for me. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes total sense. Just a real quick tangent. Do you, are you a Bears fan as well? Obviously. I sure am. It's so tragic. Well, I mean, Justin Fields going to turn that whole thing around. But I ask because the Fans First Sports Network, which we are coming to you on right now, has an unbelievable contest for any football fan, whether you're really an NFL fan or not. But the Fans First Sports Network is giving away four free tickets to the week one NFL game of your choice up to five thousand dollars and what's great is you don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops you don't have to share it on social media you don't have to get like 10 likes and follow a bunch of random accounts all you have to do is go to contest.fansfirstsports.com put in your email address and then you will be entered to win four free tickets to any week one nfl game the contest ends on September 4th, so make sure you go to contest.fansfirstsports.com and enter before time runs out. You can even do it while you are listening to us. You don't even really need to pause. You can just keep playing, go to the browser on your phone, type in contest.fansfirstsports.com and enter to win. What game would it be for you? I don't even know who the Brown. I'm not a I'm not a uh, a, a huge NFL fan. I just kind of like turn on Red Zone every Sunday. So who do the Bears play? Uh, the Bears are playing the Packers. Oh, that's a big rivalry for week one. It is a huge rivalry. So that would be my choice. Um, and it's in Chicago at Soldier, at Soldier Field. Yeah, I mean, I like college football is so special. And also there's something really cool about like the Bears-Packers rivalry. So I think the NFL has always also held a special but different place in my heart. And I tend to... I worked for NFL Red Zone for like a hot minute in my life. And and so I tend to oh, be I a Red Zone watcher. Yeah, the, the Red Zone setup behind the scenes is the craziest thing in the entire world because I would just get to like watch the Bears game. And then the reasons that they know to kind of switch between the different games is because people are just screaming in the middle of a room. So like Amazing. the Bears Packers game was game five. You would just be like, touchdown on game five. And you're just yelling it. Um, and someone on a headset will be like, we have to go to game five. So it's the wildest experience. So I tend to be a red zone watcher because it just feels like it checks the chaos boxes for me. I know you love chaos. I love chaos. Uh, and you know what? The bears do give me a lot of that. So, oh yeah. For as much as I like kind of drag on them sometimes, like we're bears through and through. Yeah. Real quick tangent before we dive into the college football schedule. My first job out of college was working for the Big Ten Conference, and this was in the days before 
instant replay was a thing, but the Big Ten was piloting a system in which they would do replay. That was actually the very first season. It was the 2004 season where the Big Ten was the only one doing instant replay. And my job was one of my jobs was to sit in the headquarters in Park Ridge, Illinois, and we watched every game and I would take notes to make sure that they were doing it right, to make sure that they were um, looking at every play that they should. The head of the Big Ten referees, Dave Perry, would be in the war room as well. So I would get to very similarly get to watch all of the Big Ten football on any given Saturday. Of course, I would always jump on the Ohio State game and I got paid for it. So that was uh, some pretty great. How we're going to break this down, Jamie, is we're going to go through each of the the different separated game windows. And since this week has games on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then on Monday, it's going to be a little different. But for the most part, we're going to go through all of the game windows on Thursdays and Saturdays during normal weeks. We'll tell you what the major games are on the major networks. We're not going to get into every single one because there's just too many. And then we're each going to pick one game that we think you should watch if you only have one TV available to you. So we're going to start on Thursday night. This is an overly packed Thursday night. There's not normally this many games, but there are some pretty interesting ones. Starting at seven o'clock, you have Elon versus Wake Forest on the ACC network, Kent State versus UCF on FS1, NC State versus UConn on CBS Sports Network, Florida versus Utah at 8 p.m. on ESPN, Nebraska and Minnesota on Fox, and then South Dakota and Missouri, as my grandfather would say, on the SEC Network. So, Jamie, which one of those games? I think there's really two good options here. Which one are you going to go with? I think I'm probably going to go Utah-Florida. Yeah, that seems safe. That seems safe. What about this game stands out to you? You know, I mean, Utah's a ranked team. Florida's not. But I think that Florida is always going to be one of those teams that you can't write off. And it's this is a week one game that, like, really could flip on its head quickly one way or the other. I think that Florida has sort of fallen to, I don't want to say to the bottom, but like lower in conference play recently. And I think that they've got some stuff to prove this season as a result. Um, And I think this is one of those games where they can be like, hey, don't actually forget about us. Like you cannot look past us. This is a good way to come out of the gate. So I think that that for me is, is a, is appealing as a, as a viewer. Yeah. The, we were recording on Wednesday night and it was just announced that Utah quarterback Cam Rising, or it wasn't announced, it was reported that Cam Rising is not expected to play in the opener due to injury that had kind of been rumored. We knew that that might be a possibility, but that certainly changes things. As Ohio State fans, we've seen how good Utah can be. And Cam Rising is one of the best returning quarterbacks in the country. So without him, I think that really changes the f- the focus of this game. Bryson Barnes is expected to start at quarterback against Florida. So an interesting one to see. I, I've kind of become a, a Utah fan just because of Ohio State played a great game against them. They're just one of those steady programs who nobody expects a whole lot of, and yet they constantly you know, are at the top of the conference. Obviously, this is the last year of the Pac-12. So this is definitely one that I, I think people should watch. And I think that's the right answer. But I will obviously go with a different one. I'm going to go 
with the Big Ten game that is opening up Thursday on the schedule, and that is Nebraska at Minnesota. And what I think is interesting about this game is, is we have no idea what this version of Nebraska is going to look like. We know over the last few years, Nebraska has lost a ton of games under Scott Frost by one score, maybe maybe less than 10 points if you throw in a field goal as well. But they have a new coach. Matt Rule has come in and everywhere he has been, at least in college, we're not counting his brief stint in the NFL. He has kind of taken programs that have sucked and turned them into like really solid programs. He did it at Temple. He did it at Baylor. Now he's going to try to do it at Nebraska. I think it could be really interesting. And Minnesota has been a pretty impressive offensive team under PJ Fleck, whether you take his shtick of rowing the boat seriously or not. I kind of like it. I think if I was a player, it would rub on me the wrong way. But as a fan of like a big 10 school that just kind of drops in and sees it on occasion, like eh, it's kind of fun, but they have a new quarterback. Tanner Morgan is gone after being there for what felt like a dozen years. Now they've got a new quarterback named Athan Kalik Manis. I think I'm saying that right. I don't really know because it's Minnesota football and I don't follow it specifically close, but I am interested to see what happens with this offense with a new quarterback. So Fortunately, like I said, I have three TVs that I'll be watching uh, college football on on Thursday. So I will have probably Utah and Florida on my main screen, Jamie, but I will have Minnesota, Nebraska on the secondary one. Maybe I'll throw an NC State and UConn on the third because I actually think UConn could be a bowl team this year, which seems insane to say. But but I do think that's an interesting one. I agree. Yeah, I think and I think Minnesota versus Nebraska, you know, like anytime we can get a look, it's so interesting that there's so many big 10 conference games this weekend to start yeah. week one. If we can get an early look at, at some of the competition conference wide, like that's always fun as a, as a big 10 fan. Um, and I think that Minnesota and Nebraska are two teams that have the potential to be really evenly matched and kind of be like the sleeper teams of the conference. Um, yeah. everyone's Especially talking West. About, yeah. And everyone's talking about, Michigan, OSU, Penn State as kind of those powerhouse teams. But I Minnesota has surprised a lot of people these last few seasons. Um, and I think Northwestern was in that conversation for a while, but they're in the middle of a complete clean yeah, house. Like, yeah, like an absolute mess right now. So I don't know that you can even consider that. I think like really Wisconsin, Minnesota could could be the teams out that way that throw some grenades into people's seasons. And so it'll be nice to see them kick that off with a conference game. I think the Big Ten West is going to be really interesting this year because you've got everybody talking about Luke Fickle coming in to Wisconsin and really reinventing what that offense looks like. But you've also obviously got Iowa, who if they can figure out how to score at all, They've always going to have a great defense. You've got Nebraska and Minnesota like you just talked about. I think I think Burt Bielema has a team in Illinois where they're actually pretty good. And like I could see them winning the Big Ten West. You throw in Purdue, who I don't think is going to be an easy out. And really everybody other than Northwestern, well, they all have varying degrees of, of possibility and probability. But like everybody other than the Northwestern, I feel like could potentially have a shot to win the West. Obviously, some more likely than others, but like if some things break weird, anything could happen over there. Well, over in the East, obviously Ohio state, Michigan and Penn state are really the only ones that have a shot to win on that side, but it'll be interesting. It'll be fun. And I agree with you getting a chance to see two, at least competent two above average big 10 West teams 
will be very informative for what we will see for the rest of the season coming up on Thursday night. Now, we do have some games on Friday. None of them super stand out. So I'm not going to like, and there's only, uh, it looks like there's six of them. So I'm not going to worry about the time slots on these, but just Friday night game here, Jamie. Howard versus Eastern Michigan. This one's on ESPN Plus. Normally I won't worry about the ESPN Plus games, but it's Friday night. There's not that many. Central Michigan versus Michigan State, another Big Ten team on FS1. This one's fun just because it'll be confusing as hell. The Miami Redhawks versus the Miami Hurricanes at 7 p.m. on the ACC Network. Then we have Louisville and Georgia Tech at 7.30 on ESPN. Missouri State versus Kansas at 8 p.m., which is on the Big 12 Network and ESPN+, Plus. one of those split weird things with ESPN. And then Stanford and Hawaii in Hawaii at 11 p.m. on the CBS Sports Network. Which one are you going with here, Jamie? So as we've established, I am a chaos monger. And so for that reason and that reason only, I don't think this is going to be a particularly great football game, but like Miami, Florida versus Miami of Ohio. It's fun. For the chaos factor, got to go with it. I think that's fair. I mean, I grew up in Ohio. I live in Florida. So like me hearing the name Miami gives me different connotations depending on where my brain is at that point. Obviously, Miami, Florida is obviously the thing that people talk about most when they say that in relation to college football. But I do think that's a lot of fun to see just how absolute messy that will be. And quick question. Do you know who the Miami Red Hawks quarterback is? Um, I do, but I'm blanking. It is Brett Gabbard. He has been injured in recent years, but it sounds like he will be back. He is the brother of former NFL quarterback or maybe current NFL quarterback. I can never remember. Blaine Gabbard, who went to or went to Missouri. So that'll be interesting. I would not, you know, it'd be fun to watch. I would absolutely love and enjoy if Miami uh, of Ohio can make this interesting. I don't think they're going to, but I think that would be a lot of fun. I agree. Yeah, that's the the one that my little chaos loving part, it speaks to me. Yeah. Well, the game that I'm going to go with, I don't know that I would have expected to have any interest in going into week zero, but I kind of do now because my game that I'm talking about, I'm going to have to stay up late to watch it. It's that Stanford at Hawaii game. One, because of everything that's happened in Hawaii, like I just I want to see what you know the the crowd looks like and and any kind of tributes or anything they do. But don't look now, but Hawaii almost beat an SEC team in week one. Now, granted, it's Vanderbilt. So like I know they're not, I mean, they're an SEC team by name only, pretty much, but they're a team that is starting to get a little bit better. The score ended up being 35 to 28. It was close. And obviously. If you look at the box score, Hawaii scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. So they were coming back, but it could be fun. Timmy Chang, who I remember as the quarterback of Hawaii, is the head coach. They sling it around a lot. Hawaii was not good last year, but they do expect to be better. Stanford has a new coach this season in Troy Taylor. So I think it could be fun. I love, I've always loved watching. Hawaii because of how exciting their offense is. And anytime you can get one of these late night games to kind of extend the college football day, this is a Friday. Normally it's a Saturday. I think it could be fun. And Stanford, Hawaii, not two of the best teams in college football, but I think it will be a really fun game to watch, especially if you're just 
kind of sitting in front of the TV late at night and need something to tune on. I agree. The other thing that's kind of an intangible when you play a game in Hawaii and now granted coming from California isn't quite the same jump as coming from the East coast or the Midwest, but that is a gnarly time difference. Yeah. And even if you fly out on Monday and try to adjust it, it is a, it's brutal. So there is an intangible element where the home field advantage in Hawaii also comes with this added piece of like the other team is going to have to just kind of gruel it out because of the time zones. Yeah, it's an 11 p.m. kick Eastern time, which means it's an 8 p.m. kickoff Stanford time, but a 5 p.m. kickoff Hawaii time. So very different. Those body clock things, maybe for people in their late teens, early 20s, is not as bad as it would be for you and me, Jamie, as we're a little older than they are, but definitely, definitely something to keep in mind. All right, let's go to Saturday where the big stuff happens. The 12 noon, big noon window, if you will, will kick off with East Carolina versus number two Michigan on Peacock, the very first ever exclusive Big Ten game on NBC Universal streaming service. That'll be joined in the noon window by Virginia at number 12, Tennessee, your brother's alma mater on ABC. Then a game that Probably won't be very good, but could be interesting. Colorado at number 17, TCU on Fox. Then we have Arkansas versus number 20, Oklahoma on ESPN. Utah State versus number 25, Iowa on FS1. Ball State in Kentucky on the SEC Network. Bowling Green and Liberty on CBS Sports Network. Fresno State at Purdue on BTN. And Louisiana Tech versus SMU on ESPNU. And then finally, in this round, Northern Illinois versus Boston College on the ACC network. Should I just assume you're going with the Vols in this one here, Jamie? No, I actually have, I feel very strongly about my pick in this one. And it okay, is, go. I think Colorado is going to upset TCU. Oh no, you're nuts. No, no I, way. <laughs> Tell me why. Tell me why. Okay, listen, Colorado was, for those of us following along at home, horrendous last season horrendous but this is pretty much a new team because Deion Sanders came in cleaned house brought in his Jackson State folks like listen when I say I love chaos that's chaos that is it's insanity and I love it I'm here for it and Jackson State you know they're they're Jackson State they're not playing the big dogs but like they were 27-6 team with him went the number former number one overall recruit Travis Hunter and the thing that I think is so fun is like these are two teams who have gotten really creative with the transfer portal. Sonny Dykes did it so effectively last year. I believe his use of the transfer portal is a huge reason that TCU got to the national championship game. Um, but TCU lost a lot of guys to the draft, to graduation. Um, and so they've got some gaps that they're going to have to try to like figure out the new rhythm on. And I just so I just think that this is I, I think it'll be closer than people think, even if TCU comes out ahead. But I wouldn't be surprised if Colorado surprised people. I will be shocked if Colorado even plays within three touchdowns of TCU. I, I hear you and all of the changes and everything. I get that. But like. Really? I I don't know. I, I, I you are I, valid. I just I want to see it so badly. Look, I, OK, 
let's do it. I, I think that's uh, uh, if that happens, that'll be an interesting that'll be chaotic. That'll be what you say you love. That will be chaos. I am going to go for a lot of reasons. I'm going to go with the game on Peacock, East Carolina versus Michigan. Obviously, Michigan's going to absolutely destroy East Carolina, but there's so many different threads here that I'm interested in as just a an Ohio State fan, as a college football fan. I kind of want to see what the whole Peacock setup is like. My day job is covering streaming services and, and TV networks. So like, I just want to see what their whole thing is with these exclusive games. Ohio State will have one at some point. We don't exactly know when it is yet, but I want to see what just like their game day presentation is. But then there's also this whole thing. Jim Harbaugh is suspended for that first game. And Jesse Mentor is going to be the head coach for this game. We also know that he's divvied up the coaching responsibilities throughout his three game suspension. Jay Harbaugh is going to be the head coach for the first half of UNLV. Mike Hart is going to be the head coach for the second half against UNLV. Sharon Moore is going to be the head coach for the Bowling Green game. And he's bringing, uh, he's making Ben Herbert and his dad, Jack Harbaugh, who just looks like Jim Harbaugh with one of those filters that makes you age like 30 years. They are going to be associate head coach for Herbert and assistant head coach for Jack Harbaugh. I'm, I'm interested to see how this works. I don't think it'll matter one iota in any of the three games that they're coaching, but like, I'm interested in this whole setup. I think I've written about this. I've talked about this. I know Ohio state fans don't like this, but like, I think Jim Harbaugh is good for college football. I think he's weird and I think he's out there. And occasionally he says and does really stupid stuff with this whole thing for why he's suspended for three games and probably will be suspended more if he's even back next year. But he also says some really great things. Like he talked about um, revenue sharing with, with athletes this week. I think he's nuts. I think he's bonkers. I think he's unhinged, but I think it's actually good for college football. So this whole experiment of giving all of his assistant coaches or, you know, a handful of assistant coaches opportunities to have head coaching experience. That's great. Let's do it. So I'm interested in that. I'm interested in all the other stuff because honestly, the game's going to suck and there really aren't any interesting, compelling, competitive games in this early window. So I might as well go for one where I can learn some stuff about Peacock broadcasts and just the general weirdness of the Michigan program. Totally. And actually I will add to your feelings about Harbaugh in that not only do I think it's good for college football, but as OSU fans, I think it's really good for the rivalry. And that is not just because there's a fire under the Buckeyes butts this year coming off of two consecutive losses. This is a guy who likes to trash talk the Buckeyes Nothing gets me more heated than someone who trash talks my team. But it's like there's an investment in the game that I think I don't want to say it was it was ever lost. It was never lost. But I think he's really like refueled that in a way. Yeah, but I'd be OK if Ohio State never lost to Michigan. I don't I don't need them to be competitive in that game. I'm, I'm I <laughs> want OSU to win, but I want it to be a great football game. If like you can every- guarantee me that, that I will take it, but I would much prefer Ohio State winning 50 to nothing than losing, uh, a, you know, twice in a row or or five times in 10 years. Like, uh, just give me the win. I don't care. Yeah, that's fair. All right, let's go into the later afternoon window. There's actually one game that kicks off at 3 p.m. It is Portland State versus number 15, Oregon, on the Pac-12 network. There is our Ohio State Buckeyes. I feel like we should make any Ohio State game 
just an assumption and we're going to skip that one unless it's like the major game of the week. But it's number three, Ohio State on the road at Indiana on CBS. Another interesting one because for, because it's a new broadcast partner. Then we've got Boise State at number 10, Washington on ABC at 330. Rice at Texas at 330 on Fox. Tennessee State versus Notre Dame on NBC. Buffalo versus number 19, Wisconsin on FS1. UMass versus Auburn at 3.30 on ESPN. Towson versus Maryland on BTN. South Florida versus Western Kentucky on CBS Sports Network. Wofford and Pitt on the ACC Network. And and I think that's, I think we can, we can cap it at that. Jamie, what do you got? You know, there's actually a couple games that I think could could be interesting as they unfold but i my eyes on Notre Dame versus Tennessee State you know who the head coach of Tennessee State is don't you who's that matt the 1995 Heisman Trophy winner and Ohio State legend Eddie George <laughs> sure is and matt who's coaching over at Notre Dame these days it's a former Ohio State great all conference player Marcus Freeman that's so correct. So, yeah, I mean, there's a really compelling OSU lineage there, but we also have Notre Dame in a couple of weeks. And Notre Dame mm-hmm. is one of those teams that sometimes is kind of predicted to be middle of the road and then is a great football team. Sometimes they're predicted to be great and they absolutely drop the ball. And I think that they're a team that I kind of feel like we never really know what we're working with until we see them on the field. And I mean, they did play Navy last week, but Navy is not good this year. So that didn't really count. Tennessee State, obviously an FCS team, probably not going to give us a whole lot of information. But you're all right, like especially with with Sam Hartman as their new quarterback transferring in, like I think that just seeing more game reps and what they're going to try to do, obviously they're not going to show their full uh, office of playbook, but just seeing them on field in action certainly can give us a little bit of information for what Ohio State should should expect on September 23rd. Yeah. And I, you know, I um I really love Marcus Freeman. So for as much as I loathe, despise, and abominate Notre Dame, I am absolutely rooting for him to do well. And then like not ever rooting against Eddie George is the thing. Um, so I do, I think that that for me, like this is a game that I don't know that Tennessee State is going to make it an interesting game, but I think that maybe the more kind of footage we get to see of Notre Dame, the more we're going to have an idea of where they fall in like playoff contention, things like that. So that would be the one that I would pick of this bunch. What about you? I'm going to continue with a variation on the theme and I'm going to go with another school that is coached by an Ohio State alum and I'm going to go with the Wisconsin Badgers hosting uh, the Buffalo Bulls yeah Buffalo Bulls I almost said Buffalo Bills but that's the protein the Buffalo Bulls one for similar reasons like I want to see what Wisconsin looks like without a Wisconsin guy at the head we know that they're not just going to overnight change their entire offense, but by bringing in Phil Longo as the new play caller and offensive coordinator, that significantly changes what this offense will try to do. Obviously, he can't completely change everything in year one, just like we saw with Ohio State. You can't change everything on defense in year one of Jim Knowles, but it's going to have a different look. They brought in Tanner Mordecai, who had previously been at SMU for two years and 
three years at Oklahoma. So he's going to be their new starting quarterback. And they're, I think, going to try to chuck it around a lot more than we've ever seen from a Wisconsin team, or at least in recent memory since the, you know, I can't imagine they threw it much before Barry Alvarez. But I'm interested to see what this offense looks like. We know that any team coached by Luke Fickle is going to have a great defense. But when you're able to kind of put that with an offense that actually looks like it's from the 21st century, Wisconsin could be really good. It also could be trying to fit a square peg in a round hole by just not having the dudes yet to do what Phil Longo wants to. And of course, he'll he'll try to tailor the game plans and the scheme and the play calls for what he has. But who knows? This could work incredibly well, or it could be a slog to get through for them as they try to figure things out. I'm kind of erring on the side of it's going to work. I don't know if it's going to be like a home run kind of it's going to work or if it's going to be like, hey, I see what they're doing here. I, I I appreciate the effort. It works sometimes. It's still hard going, but uh, you're moving in the right direction. So uh, I don't know. Buffalo is not going to be, you know, they're fine. I think they're a decent team in the MAC. They're, they they were uh, seven and six last year. So great. Good for you. I don't think that's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for competition here in week one for the Badgers. I'm just looking to see what they're doing and how they're going to do it. And, and if it's going to be successful or not in, in, you know, kind of the first outing for a very, very different version of the Wisconsin Badgers. Yeah. I I think that there's, there's a lot that we can glean from this game. And, um, you know, Wisconsin is a team that is really, really hard to beat on the road. And unfortunately for LSU, that's yeah. the way we're going to play them this year. So I think similarly, like anything that we can learn going in about the schemes that they're going to be running, um, the more prepared that we are for the actual strategy behind the game, the better it will be because the intangible element of playing at Camp Randall is just so hard. Yeah. And they're also the worst fans like they're just the worst they are the rudest the meanest the most violent like they're just the worst i know as an ohio state fan you're thinking like nah you guys are the worst but like physically potentially violent and intimidating throwing quarters at players like just eh, not a good look uh, all right so let's go into prime time there's some games in between some six o'clock five o'clock games let's start with the seven o'clock games First on ESPN is New Mexico versus number 23, Texas A&M. Then actually on the NFL network, we have Army versus Louisiana Monroe. Then we've got Washington State and Colorado State on CBS Sports Network. We have uh, UTSA, which is always a fun watch, versus Houston, also usually a fun watch on FS1. Then we've got Middle Tennessee versus number four, Alabama on the SEC network. We have West by God, Virginia versus number seven, Penn State on NBC. Number 21, North Carolina at South Carolina on ABC. We have Toledo, where my brother went to school, and Illinois on Big Ten network. Texas Tech and Wyoming on CBS. Then kind of branching off into the eight o'clock window, South Alabama and number 24 Tulane on ESPNU and Old Dominion at Va Tech or Virginia Tech. I think they don't like Va Tech, but uh, Old Dominion and Virginia Tech on 8 p.m. on the ACC network. Jamie, which one are you going with here? So there are two games that I'm kind of torn between, but I think for me, like it's got to be Penn State, West Virginia for a couple of reasons. So this used to be a rivalry matchup. They played every season. Um, They have not played since 1992 when Penn State joined the Big Ten. 
Um, and Penn State has dominated this matchup. And I expect that they will win again on Saturday. But I do think that the energy behind this game is going to be very exciting. The schools are only, I believe, 125 miles apart. So it's a really quick, easy road trip for fans. And I I think that, you know, Penn State is going into this game with really high expectations. There's some talk that they could kind of be there to upset OSU or Michigan at any point. Um, and I so I think that this is a game where they are probably going to win, but they'll probably be put to the test at least a little bit. Now, granted, Neil Brown is entering his fifth season as the head coach at West Virginia, and he has not had a winning record other than the like weird pandemic 2020 season, which I don't particularly count. He's He's been there that long? Been there that long, and he's only been bowl eligible twice. If we eliminate 2020, bowl eligible twice in the four seasons that we're counting. And it's so I just, you know, they're on their, he's on his fourth different quarterback in five seasons. Like there's a lot of kinks that they have to work out. I do feel that his job is on the line and this is a good game to try to save it. So I think there's a chance that, West Virginia, I think that they'll be competitive in this game, but I do think Penn State's going to win. But I think that this could be the start of like West Virginia trying to kind of hold that middle of the road line and go, you know, have a winning record, go seven and five, eight and four, ideally. And and that's a big piece of it. I think Penn State's going to be really good. I don't know how good in comparison to like Ohio State and Michigan, but I think they're going to be really good compared to, to WVU. So we'll see what happens. And also, I feel like Dana Holgerson was just at West Virginia like last year. Like, how has Neil Brown been there since 2019? Which is absolutely crazy. Uh, I'm going to go with the Battle of the Carolinas. I'm going to go north versus south. It's it's in Charlotte. I think this is going to be a really, really entertaining game. Like, these are legitimately two Heisman caliber quarterbacks. You've got Drake May for the Tar Heels and Spencer Rattler for the Gamecocks. I don't know that either team is super good defensively, so I think it's going to be a really exciting game to watch. Probably lots of points being put up, and when it comes to Shane Beamer being the head coach of the Gamecocks, you never know when Beamer ball is going to come in to effect and maybe potentially win this game. A blocked punt, a blocked field goal, uh, a, a return of some sort for a touchdown. I do kind of feel like... Mac Brown might be in his last year at North Carolina if things don't go super well. I don't think that they're going to necessarily be in contention to to win the uh, ACC, but I, I could see him hanging it up after this year if things don't go super well and starting off a game with a very good, not conference uh, rival, but a geographic rival uh, could really set the tone for both of these teams heading into the season. But I think it's going to be a lot of fun just because both quarterbacks are legitimately elite when it comes to the college game. So I, I, I will go Tar Heels and Gamecocks in this Saturday evening window. Yeah, I mean, this is the other one that I would have chosen. Yeah. Um, it It's it's a toss up for me because they stand out to me in very different ways. I really think, you know, Drake may, if Caleb Williams wasn't out there at USC, like stealing the show, 
I really think Drake May would be a huge conversation point heading into the season. And another thing that I, I kind of have been mulling over is this South Carolina team is not ranked going into the season, but I do think they will be by the end of the season. Ooh, okay. And I think, you know, they kind of last year started the year out pretty shaky. They closed it out with that huge win over Clemson in the regular season. Love to see it. Oh, it was it was beautiful. It was a 31 30 <laughs> win for those who need a little refresher. It was such a close game. It's just like great football from both sides. And then they even like didn't look bad against Notre Dame in the Gator Bowl. So I do think that there's some really intriguing elements to this team. And like you said, both of these quarterbacks, you've got Spencer, Spencer Radler over at South Carolina as well. Um, just it is going to be a battle of the QBs. And I, I think that South Carolina could, could surprise some people this year. And I don't know that they'll, they're not going to be in the top 10 by the end of the season, you know, but I, I do think that we could see them ranked certainly. And um, North Carolina is ranked. So that would be a good start to making their way into the top 25. Yeah. All right. Let's go for the after dark window here, starting at 10 PM on the PAC 12 network, which you don't have. I'm pretty much guaranteeing anybody out there. Maybe you have it. Maybe it's part of your cable package or whatever out there, but most people in the United States do not have the Pac-12 network to be able to watch Northern Arizona at Arizona. Then on FS1 at 10.15, we have Sam Houston and BYU. ESPN at 10.30 is Coastal Carolina and UCLA. Also at 10.30 on the CBS Sports Network is Idaho State and San Diego State. Jamie, there's only really one game of note here. Like, no one's watching anything other than Coastal and UCLA, right? That's it. And, you know, they're we've got our eyes on UCLA. Like they're going to be a competitive team this year. They're coming to the big 10 next year. Like this is the only game that's worth staying up late for. Yeah. I, I mean, I do think coastal is good. I mean, we've seen how good the Chanticleers can be in, in the last few years. Grayson McCall he's pretty good. So we'll see what happens. Um, UCLA's defense has not been super, um, has not been super great last the last few years. The fact though, that, Former Ohio State offensive coordinator Tim Beck is now the head coach for Coastal. Gives me a lot of concern because we saw him here in Columbus. Uh, not here because I live in Orlando, but we saw him in Columbus not exactly be the most impressive dude um, running things. But OK, we'll see what happens. But uh, I, that's that's a game that I will surely stay up and watch. And and UCLA's got their own like little quarterback battle going on too. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's the potential for chaos in this game, but it's really the only one in that time slot that merits merits time. Yeah. And actually we could see multiple quarterbacks in this game. Like oh. this might depending on how it goes, they could just start swapping them out. Yeah, much like um his mentor uh, Chip Kelly, Ryan Day, and Chip Kelly have both named a starter. They both went with the veterans. Ohio State went with Kyle McCord, where UCLA went with Ethan Garbers. But the younger guys will are, are expected to play a little bit. The difference in ages between Kyle McCord and Devin Brown in Columbus is much different than what is going on with the Bruins, where you have a veteran, Ethan Garbers, being the starter over true freshman Dante Moore. But I would not be surprised if, if Moore doesn't have a chance to play uh, quite a bit in this game as well. So I think you're right. That could be a very interesting one to see just from a quarterback rotational perspective as well. Sure. 
All right, let's go on to Sunday and Monday. There's only a handful of games on Sunday. There's only one really worth talking about, though. Northwestern at Rutgers at noon on CBS, followed by number 18, Oregon State, who I think actually could win the Pac-12, at San Jose State at 3.30 uh, p.m. on CBS. But then the game that, I mean, there's nothing else to watch. If you're only going to watch one game all weekend, it's this yeah. one. It's number five LSU versus number eight Florida State on ABC at 7.30 p.m. This one is in Orlando. It's about 30 minutes from my house at Camping World Stadium. I'm not going, but I will be watching this one because this one, I mean, it could be dynamite. Like these are two teams that I think will have legitimate shots, obviously ranked fifth and eighth coming into the into the season. But like they really have pretty good paths to the college football playoff if their seasons go as well as they think they could. Yeah, I mean, listen, like this is a late season matchup that we are getting in week one, which is beautiful. I think Love that because that, you know, that that does feel so rare. And it's something that I kind of hope with conference realignment on the horizon, we see more of. And the expanded um, playoffs. So maybe maybe teams won't be as scared to schedule other major power five schools because they know they have a little bit more wiggle room by having 12 spots in the playoffs rather than just four. Totally. And like, it is interesting. There's an interesting strategy that a couple of teams have kind of taken a gamble on. Like you look at, even OSU Notre Dame playing early in the season these last two years, like this idea of, well, if we lose to Notre Dame and then win out the rest of the season and win the Big Ten, like, does that Notre Dame loss matter? That kind of a thing. So there is some strategy to, like, kicking your season off with these really tough games. Mm -hmm. And I think especially when you're in the SEC, right? Like, if you then go on and win out your conference play, like, who cares that you lost in week one? Is, I think, kind of the... There is there is a piece of that that's like if LSU drops this game and then they win out, like they're probably still going to be in the SEC title game and it's kind of fine. Um, And if they win, then that's like a huge momentum shift for for the season. Like these are two teams that could actually like make the playoffs in their own right. They've got like draft picks left and right. I don't think anyone you can go on, you can like read the predictions. I don't think anyone has any idea how this game is actually going to go. Like Florida State is a better team this year than it was when it upset LSU in New Orleans. But so is LSU. And they're very comparable teams. They have extremely elite quarterbacks. They have really top skill in their uh, position players they've got great defense great defenses like I just think that no one really can predict how this is going to go and we don't have any other matchups this early in the season that could come down to a point or a field goal or or uh, or a blocked a blocked extra point like it did last year Florida State won 24 to 23 and Shaheem Brown blocked a, a a, an extra point as time was running out. And that's, that's it. Um, that that's the game right there. I, I haven't solidified all of my official predictions for the season. We'll have those in an article at landgrantholyland.com. but I think I've got both Florida state and LSU in the playoff. So I, I think this is going to be a fascinating game. One, just because it's going to be two of the best teams in the country, but also I think it, like we've talked about with some of these games earlier in the day or earlier in the weekend, 
it can be really informative as to what we will see for the rest of the campaign and the rest of the fall. So I'm hyped about this one. Very excited. I've thought about getting tickets and going out to what used to be the Citrus Bowl, now Camping World Stadium. I'm not going to because who needs that on that late on, at night? I'm not going to deal with traffic, but should be a great game. And uh, I'm very excited to watch this one. Yeah, I am too. And and my hot take actually is that um, if you if, if I had to like make my bold crazy prediction, I think LSU wins the SEC this year. Yeah, I do too. And I and I think it's I, I, to be honest, like I think Georgia's probably a better team. So when we have to have playoff conversations, we'll have to see how the season shakes out. But think that there's going to be a late season upset of Georgia that will keep them out of the title game for the, for the conference. And I think that LSU then will go on to win the conference. I I'm, I'm pulling up Georgia's schedule. Is this a, just a general late season upset or one that is specific to perhaps your specific family? Uh, it's specific to my specific family. Um, okay. I, Neyland is not a fun place to play. And if you watched that Tennessee Alabama game last year, um, the fans are insane. It is kind of similar to Wisconsin. Like this is not a stadium you want to be on the road in. Even in the years where Tennessee has been garbage, it is a tough place to play. And I, I think that Alabama is going to drop a couple of games. Yeah. In first half of the season. So I think LSU has a pretty clear path on their side of, of the conference um, over in the SEC West. But I just I could see Tennessee eking out that win late in the season. And I think and, I, and you know, I, I do think Georgia's probably the best team. I, I think that most likely they will three-peat in the title game. But... I think LSU is going to win the title for the SEC because I think LSU beats Tennessee if that's if that's how it shakes out. Well, and even Tennessee could beat Georgia and still not make the SEC title game. I mean, that that conference, you never know what's going to happen with some of these upsets. But I'll be interested to talk with you about that game on November 16th and to see if you uh, stick with that prediction that you're making now in late August. So there is one more game this weekend. It's it's Clemson versus Duke in Durham on ESPN at 8 PM on Monday night. Like I'll watch it. I don't really, I mean, okay, sure. It'll be on while I meal prep for the week. Like the background Clemson's going to just like drop kick Duke to kingdom come. Right. Like that's, I mean, I think, I think Duke's good. Um, I mean, they were much improved last season than they were uh, the previous season. Mike Elko has done a really good job with the blue devils, but like, I just, I can't get myself worked up for anything that involves Clemson. I, especially unless it's, unless it's a game where they are going to get absolutely curb stomped. Like I just, I hate them so much. Like Ohio state fans are supposed to hate Michigan and Penn state. And I do, but that's like a sports hate. And I've written about this. Like I don't actually have anything against people from Penn state or Michigan. I mean, maybe that's because I worked for the big 10 and like there were people from both of those schools that I worked with and they were lovely human beings, or it might be the field that I work in now is dominated by people from Michigan. So it's very hard for me to, to hate all of them. So like I sports hate them. I hate, hate Clemson. Uh, I like real world IRL. If Dabo Sweeney was walking down the street, 
I would push him into oncoming traffic. That's not true. If that actually happens, I did not do it. This don't use this in a court of law against me. But like, I hate them. I literally hate them. You know what? You are so valid. I am so sorry to tell you. And I am certainly cheering for Duke in this game. Like, let me be very clear. And to be clear, if OSU were playing Duke, all the Clemson fans would be cheering for Duke as well. Like, Probably, yeah. There is, yeah. Like, I, I'm cheering for Duke. These are two teams that I don't think will, but I would like to see them join the Big Ten. Both of them. Right, we wrote an article together for Land Grant Holy Land picking the teams that we wanted to see join the Big Ten if it were to go to 24. We didn't say we wanted it to go to 24, but if it were to go to 24, what teams? And I understand you kind of went, you kind of paired Duke and North Carolina for obvious basketball purposes. And I think that makes sense. I, I went a different direction. But yeah, I would be fine with both of them joining the Big Ten because I would love to bring Clemson back down to earth because I think they've thrived and eaten on a weaker ACC. And I think they've kind of had, even when they had, you know, their, their national championship seasons, I think because they were in a pretty weak conference, they weren't as beat up as we've seen some big 10 and sec schools when they get to the playoff. So I would love to kind of see them come into the big 10 and, and play a more difficult schedule. They would still be very good. I, I'm not saying that they would, they would all automatically be a horrible team and they'd be like Purdue. That wouldn't be the case. But I would love to see them take a step up in competition. I know they are probably more likely if the ACC folds at some point or disbands or breaks up, going to go to the SEC. But I'm with you. I would love to see them take on a, a, you know, come to the Big Ten and kind of take on a very different style of football than they're used to playing. Yeah. And I will say, like, you know, well, I think so. I think Duke as a Big Ten team has the potential on from a football standpoint to be like a Minnesota or a Nebraska or just like kind of a really steady. Yeah. And they are now in the ACC too. Yeah. They're probably not going to be a bowl team or a a playoff team necessarily, but they could like have just a really great kind of lights out season. But I think they would be a really steady force. Like this is not a bad football team by any means. And I think, you know, I am not the expert making calling the shots. Although as Matt knows, I am (laughs) never wrong. Um, ever. Um, and I'm so humble about it. And, um, I think it actually makes more sense for Clemson to join the big 10 from a clear path to the playoff standpoint. Yeah. But with 12, I feel like they still have a pretty good shot because I think at some point the sec is going to get like four or five teams in, in some years. I, I agree, but I think that there's a difference between like, we have a really good shot at getting in versus like we're pretty much taking one of the big 10 slots yeah, because season. Ohio, Ohio state and Michigan are never not going to be in. Right. I, I, they would have to really like nosedive into the ground yeah. and not and, be in. But I think like any other big 10 team there, are, you know, we've got years that Wisconsin, Michigan state, Penn state, Iowa, even Illinois, yeah. any all of the above, like could be contenders. And I think that Clemson probably is going to beat all of those teams out in most seasons. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. So I just from a like from a strategy standpoint, the Big Ten, like I know all the rivalries are the SEC like that. It just from a distance and geography standpoint from the SEC being considered the more competitive conference, I think, in like the mainstream eyes. 
that I understand the logic. And also I think that like the big 10 is not a bad move for them. I think the ACC is probably going to hold on for a little while longer, especially if they add SMU, Stanford and Cal, like they're going to figure out the money and it's going to be okay. But I would love to kind of pillage some of the better teams from the ACC, some of the better teams from the big 12 and and go from there. But that's just, you know, I'm a homer. I work for the big 10. So I want to see them kind of be the team leading this because eventually it's just going to get to like two or three power conferences where there's like 25 teams in each and it's going to be a mess. But we will talk about that when and if that actually happens, Jamie. But I think this is a really good opening weekend slate. Like it's not going to be the best week of the entire year, but there are some good games in each time slot. So I'm really excited uh, about this. Jamie, if people want to follow along with your college football thoughts throughout the season, uh, where on social media can they find you? You can find me uh, at Twitter at, at Jamie Urich. Um, right, come on now. What's, what's the name of it? I'm not calling it that, Matt. <laughs> I think that's fair. Excuse you. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. So you can follow her there. You can also follow me on that same platform at BWW Matt. You can find me. I kind of set up accounts everywhere. I'm on Blue Sky and Threads. I don't do a whole lot, but you can follow me at BWW Matt. If you want to follow Fans First Sports Network, you can follow them at Fans First SN. Jamie, this was fun. We've got one week in the books. I'm looking forward to talking about every single matchup throughout all of September, October, November, into December, and into January. Could not be more excited to finally have college football back in our lives. Here's to a really exciting season, a really exciting fall. And remember, never schedule a wedding for a Saturday in college football season. Don't do it. Your friends will hate you. Your family will hate you. The only way that that's ever acceptable is if you are marrying somebody else from a different school on the day that your schools play each other and you are wheeling out televisions, which I have seen done. Nobody else can have a fall wedding. Yeah, because even if your specific team is on a bye, like everybody else's is still playing. So like the only way you can make that work, and I still think that I have some, I have some reservations about this. Like it is that way where you're, it's like a house divided kind of thing. And you're going to make the game a centerpiece of the weekend. But I still a little shoddy on that because, you know, guests are fans of other teams as well. So if you're going to do that, you've got to have TVs available everywhere and you've got to get married at like 11 a.m. Like get married at 11 a.m. And that way, let everybody else just watch college football for the rest of the day. Or just wait till the winter. Yeah. Or like, just don't do it. Just don't do it. There's your question. All right. Thanks again for listening, everybody. If you are finding us somewhere other than a platform where you get podcasts normally, please make sure that you subscribe. Drop us a rating. We are a completely new feed here for the uh, Fans First Sports Network College feed. So leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. And we'll be back to talk to you. Jamie, you and I are going to be back for an episode on Tuesday. Kind of a look at the college football playoff, Heisman Trophy and some other individual awards, but we will have different episodes throughout the rest of the week. We are ramping up as the season goes as well. So make sure you subscribe and tune in every single day at the Fans First Sports Network college feed.